church, what is the mission of the church. Uh, but upon today, I'd like us to visit the, the topic of uh, what is church membership? Uh, now granted, this, this is not an exhaustive study, uh, but we'll, we will be actually be very narrow in our focus to try to make use of the time we have today to try to cover everything, but uh, this is something that we could spend many, many weeks on, and I, I'm even praying through and thinking through how could we uh, just teach and um, consecutively on this topic, so that, that'll probably be coming. Um, so if you would this morning, uh, grab your Bible or your device, whatever you have, uh, but your copy of God's Word. And you will need your Bible today. We have a lot of scriptures we do want to look through uh, as we do this survey of what is church membership. But as you grab your copy of God's word, please turn with me in the New Testament to Paul's first letter to the church of Corinth, 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. We'll be reading verses 12 through 28. That, that will be our launching pad. As we approach this topic, what is church membership? So turn with me, 1 Corinthians 12 chapter, beginning with the verse, with verse 12. And if you would, please stand in honor of the reading of God's word this morning. And as we do recognize each and every week as the word of God is preached, this is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. And the word of God reads, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of, in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which are more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that liked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it, and God has appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helping, administrating, and various kinds 
of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. May the Lord a blessing for the reading of his word. You may be seated. Let us look into God's word together this morning. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we do bless your holy name. For you are the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, loving, forgiving, and kind. Lord, you are just. And you are right. And Father, you do not look over our sins. But you will punish iniquity. But glory be to you, Father, that you have sent Jesus Christ. That we would have the forgiveness of sin through his shed blood, his broken body. But then also we would have freedom to live for you. So upon today, Lord, may you refresh us with that freedom through the power of your Holy Spirit. And I do ask, O oh Lord, that you would give us the eyes to see, the ears to hear, and the heart to receive your word upon this day. Father, I beg that whatever cares of life may be hovering upon our lives and minds. that you would comfort and you would remove those issues that we may press into Jesus today. Father, may the Savior be lifted up. May you be glorified. Father, may you use my weakness that the power of Christ may rest upon me, that your people may hear a prophetic word from on high, that we would be encouraged and equipped that we may walk in godliness. Have mercy, dear God. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. 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 You know, recently I had been reading and saw in the news just how large of an organization Amazon had become. It's crazy to, to think about how large this corporation has become. It, it, it really has invaded and impacted just about every aspect of our lives. As a matter of fact, uh, the numbers just, just listed say that there are now over 100 million Amazon Prime members. 100 million. So statistically, that's like 64% of America have a Prime membership. Now, I'm not, I'm not just talking about who use the website to go shopping. We're talking about actual members of Amazon. Over 100 million. You don't, like I said, you don't have to be a member to shop there, but we do know that there are certain benefits of being a member of Amazon. You, you are able to have those exclusive member sales, those special times where only members can come in and buy certain things, or you get certain discounts because you are a member, certain emails, certain offers because of your membership. Uh, not only that, you, you have access to a, uh, an abundance of streaming video. You, you, you can go on and see all kinds of 
movies and shows, not only streaming video, you have access to streaming audio. You can listen to your favorite tunes through that. And who can forget free shipping? That, see, that's, that's the deal breaker right there. Give me some free shipping, and I'll buy it. But, but we see that oh, there's over 100 million members and although there are 100 million members, we, we do recognize that though this is a collective consumer experience, that this is not a relational community. You don't have to know anyone, really. There's no commitments. You can, you can uh, sign off whenever you want to. As long as you pay your fee, you are able to take part in what is being given. There's, there's no commitments. There's no burdens. That is some type of membership. And beloved, this... This is the model of individual benefit that we expect of all of our memberships. Just think about all the memberships you have. Costco, you got membership cards to Kroger, you get fuel points, and everything that we sign up for, we're, we're, looking, at to, we're looking at it to see, well, what type of benefit am I going to receive from this membership? If you, if you want me to sign up, what do I get, a, get in return? And that's the, that's the mindset that we approach all memberships in our lives. That's what we do. That's how we spend our money. That's, that's what attracts us, this, this low commitment. I just, I just pay my money, and, and I'm able to take part and do what I want to when I want. Beloved, unknowingly, ignorantly, maybe sometimes intentionally, we can expect the church to have the same type of membership model. The problem sometimes is that we, we actually see the church as just another service provider in the life of all of the service providers that I have. See, the church is just something that, that makes me happy on Sunday. I, I, I go to, to, to hear a word. I go to fill up. And, and I can see my membership in church as just being something that's only beneficial to me. And if I don't hear my song sing. If the preacher don't preach a good word, then, then I'm actually upset and I feel like I haven't received what I paid for. We can have the same mindset when it comes to church membership. We can view church membership as actually something that is purely individual, something purely optional, something completely arbitrary. I really don't have to attend. I kind of show up when I want to. I really don't have to show up on time even when I do show up. Or give my time, and I and I definitely don't have to fool them folks there. We can see church as something that there is no commitments. You just pay your fees and you just keep on going. A benefit-driven church. Beloved, if we're not intentional, we will view church membership through this me-centered lens where we only concern about what we get out, and we can care less about what we put in. See, but Scripture reveals something that is completely, completely different. It's completely contrary to this worldly wisdom, this worldly expectations of church membership. Uh, as we've been looking through Ephesians, we, we see that the church has a specific purpose. In Ephesians, the third chapter, the tenth verse, we see Paul saying that so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God may now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. It is the, 
the manifold wisdom of God is to be put on display within the local church. And, and, and because the manifold wisdom is to be put on display in the church, church is actually a big deal. If God is going to be showed off, he's going to be shown off not only through our individual lives, but through our collective gatherings. Church means something. It is a big deal. And surely church membership should mean something to us because it means something to God. See, this is what we see taking place in Matthew, the 16th chapter. As Jesus, he establishes his church. He, he, he has a purpose and a plan for the local body of Christ. In, in his statement of Ma in Matthew 16, he's saying that he will build his church. There's that the capital C church, the universal church. All of the saints that have ever repented of their sin and trusted in Jesus Christ, that is the universal from past, present, and future. All those who come to know Jesus, that is a universal church. But Jesus is, is, is talking about the, the physical manifestation of that universal church being shown through the local church as well. That is us, the manifestation of this purpose. And when we see the universal church and a local church, sometimes we, we want to make them mutually exclusive, that they really don't have a part of one another, but they're not. They're, they're, they're like one and the same. But what we see in the local church is the demonstration of God's universal church. The church is that divine institution created by Jesus himself. And remember what we said that if I have a low view of the church, then I actually have a low view of Jesus Christ. Because the church is his creation. And, and the church is, is the gathering of God's particular people. Those who, who come under the banner and say, Jesus is Lord. That is what the church is. That, that is who the church is made of. So this, the local church is central to what God wants to do in the world for his glory. The local church is vital because it is the outpost demonstrating the glory of God. When people see the local church, they should see a little piece of heaven. When people participate in the local church, they should have a little taste of heaven. They should know that something's different about them folks over there. They say they love Jesus, and they actually act like they love Jesus. Something is going on. That is what's taking place in the local church, this manifestation of what God wants to do. Beloved, it's within the local church that we see God's authority to affirm one's salvation and the authority to shape one's life. Again, if, if the local church is central to God, why wouldn't the local church be central to us? So what do we do? To accomplish God's goals in creation, to fulfill his purpose, we, we have to have a radically different perspective of what the church is for. That, that Romans 12 type of perspective where because we are, are pressing into Jesus and we're reading and looking at his word, that our, our minds are being renewed day by day and we see that God has, he has and he is doing something special here in the local church. We don't need to have a traditional understanding of the church we need to have a biblical understanding of the church. So one of the first things I just want to notice, I just want to notice that 
yes, church membership is biblical. Church membership is biblical. Because I do want to narrow the focus, I, I, I would just touch on it quickly. We can, we can easily make the argument for church membership. We can see that Paul is writing to local churches. He's, he's writing to the church at Philippi, the church at Corinth, the church at Colossae, the, uh, Colossae, the church in Lystra. He's writing to these local churches. But See, because uh, at that time, there wasn't a lot of churches you could just hop around to. There's that one local church. So he's writing to that local church, and he wants them to understand that they are a part of something larger, but yet it is manifested through them, and they are to demonstrate God's glory in the world. He's writing to church folks who are part. But then also we can make an argument for church membership and, and just saying of the over 59 one another's in Scripture. If you are not part of a local church, how do you exercise those one another's? There's no way for me, for us to love one another, to care for one another, if we're not with one another. So we, we can look at scripture, and there's various different areas that we can see and give evidence for uh, church membership. See, but the, but the problem is, we don't see that word, thou shalt become a member of the local church. Church membership is sort of like the, the word Trinity. When we look through the scripture, we don't see the word Trinity anywhere. However, we see the evidence of the Trinity. We see evidence of the Father. We see evidence of the Son and evidence of the Holy Spirit. One in essence, three, three distinct persons who are working to, to bring a people uh, unto himself to, uh, to establish his kingdom here on earth. So we don't see the word Trinity, but we see the evidence. We see the fingerprints. The same thing goes for church membership. Though we don't see the word, you need to be a member of the local church, there's evidence for that all throughout Scripture. We see church membership happening all throughout Scripture. But one of the most important things I just want us to think about and consider today as we, as we hit on this topic, church membership is really not about us. Church membership is all about Jesus. It's all about Christ and his desire and his purposes and his work. It's all about what he's doing in this world. So to, to talk about church membership, we must center the discussion on Jesus and not ourselves. It's because when we center the conversation of church membership on ourselves, that's when church membership become a touchy topic. Because now we're, we're talking about our experiences, what our thoughts are, and how we feel about it. Now it becomes touching when someone says, you need to be a part of a local church. But if we center the discussion around Jesus, and we want to be a part of the body of Christ, then it, if we look at scripture, it would be easy to say, well, if Jesus wants me to, to, to be a part of a local church, then surely this is a good thing. Because God, he only gives good and perfect gifts. Some of those gifts are challenging. Some of those gifts are difficult. But God gives good gifts. So when we center this conversation around Christ, then we begin to see and recognize the metaphors in Scripture that are used for Christ and his love for the church. One of the first... Metaphors that we see in scripture, we, we, we see 
The church being the bride of Christ. Turn with me to Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Verses 22 through 32. Paul has told the church in Ephesus who they are in Christ. Now he's talking about this is how you walk because you are in Christ. And he comes to this section of, of practical living out your salvation. And he, and he goes into the home and he's talking about the husband-wife relationship. And in verse 22 he says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. Now watch this. Even as Christ is the head of the what? The church. His what? His body. And is himself its savior. Verse 24. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So he's talking about this submission, not in terms of just a man and a woman, but what it demonstrates that as the body of Christ, we are submitting to Jesus Christ. We are in this relationship, this loving relationship. In verse 25, he goes on to say, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy without blemish in the same way. He, he's comparing at the, the same way that Jesus is loving on the bride, loving on the church. Husbands, you do the same thing. Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh the mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. When we look at Scripture, when Jesus is at the center of our discussions of what the church is, we have to understand that we are the bride of Christ. And if we're going to be the bride, then we're looking forward to what? A wedding. The wedding day is when Jesus proposes to us by coming to rescue us from darkness. And he draws us in into his relationship. And then each and every Sunday morning that the marriage service is played out physically for the world to see in the preaching of God's word and the celebrating of God's people coming together. So when, when, when I look at this text, it reminds me of officiating a wedding. Invitations go out. There's a whole lot of planning and preparation that people respond to those invitations. They, they show up to the wedding service. Then two people who from different families, different backgrounds, they come together in one flesh. And all throughout the services, uh, two people are becoming one. They are, they are declaring their love and affection for one another publicly. That's taking place. And then uh, at the end of the service, the, the, the pastor says, I now pronounce you husband and wife. And you may kiss your bride. See, but what you don't see, the last part, you don't see it. Because everybody leave out. Everybody start getting ready to take their pictures. But before that marriage is legal in the state of Kentucky, the husband and the wife need to come back in my office 
and we sit together and we sign the marriage license together. So, beloved, if I was to make any kind of analogy, if, if Sunday morning is the, the rehearsal of the wedding service over and over again, and, and, and as Jesus fills our hearts with his love and desire to pursue him and our affections, and we're kissing the Savior each and every week, and, 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 and the gospel proclamation is going out, and we may uh, kiss the bride, we may kiss the, our husband, Christ Jesus, I would submit to you, church membership, is going in the back and signing the license together to say that this thing is for real. It's official. So when we think about the church, we, we think about it because we are the bride of Christ, but the metaphor that's most often used is the fact that we are the body of Christ. The body, and that's what we are today. In Ephesians 1 and Colossians 1, it tells us that Christ, he is the head of this body. And he uses this, this illustration to show that Jesus is on top, but yet we are all part of, of, of what he's doing. And as we are a part of what he's doing, there is something that's holding us all together. The muscles and the sinews and all that connective fiber. If I was to make an analogy to the body, church membership it's that connective tissue that holds us together. So as we look at this beautiful text in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, what we need to see jumping up from the pages is this metaphor that though we are all individuals, God wants to do something for us together, and he is showing us the real definition of membership. To be a member is not an individual benefit. To be a member says that you are part of a whole. That's why he's talking about the body. Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but many. And he goes on to talk about the, the foot and the eye and, and, and how they may think they're, they're no good, but yet they're still part of the body and they have a purpose. He's walking us through this metaphor. And he goes on to say that you, you may not think you are any good, but because you are a part of the body, you are some good. And then on the other side of it, there's maybe folks who say, oh, we don't need them. But he's saying, no, no, no matter who they are, we need them because we are a body. We are together. We are to be unified. But God has so composed the body giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. Just, just because you play in the background don't mean you're not significant in the kingdom of Christ. What is Paul doing? He's lifting up this imagery of mutuality, of, of togetherness. And I, I believe the key to understanding this metaphor is right there in verse 27. Because in verse 27, he, he jumps out from the metaphor of the body and he, he makes it plain for you and me. He says, now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Now, I've been speaking in metaphors and I've been talking about how the arm and is connects to the body and the hand and the feet. But understand, you are part of the body of Christ. If you are a member in the body of Christ. 
Paul wants us to see that there is mutual dependence within the church. Within the Christian community, there is mutual belonging. There's mutual responsiveness within the church. What Paul wants us to understand is that mutuality just doesn't happen. It don't just happen. But when we get this right, when we are intentional, Jesus is glorified. Jesus is shown off and he's demonstrated. So what I want to do is just give you a definition as we think about this. Because church membership is the way in which the local body of Christ recognizes those who belong to Jesus and to whom the body is responsible for and responsible to. And that's not the definition yet. That's just the intro to the definition. Church membership is the way in which the local body of Christ recognizes those who belong to Jesus and to whom the body is responsible for and responsible to. This is what we're talking about when we're going through Matthew 28, the marking off of God's people. The mission of the church is to make, to mark, and to mature disciples for Christ. Part of that marking off is to affirm that, yes, this person belongs to Jesus Christ. Where we are looking at and vetting your profession of faith, is this person a genuine believer of Christ? So ultimately, when we consider church membership, here's the definition. Our working definition is church membership is the covenantal commitment to mutual submission, support, and sacrifice between the individual Christian and the local assembly of Christians. Church membership is the covenantal commitment to mutual submission, support, and sacrifice between the individual Christian and the local assembly of Christians. Now let's work through that. The first, the first part of that is, is that we say that church membership is a covenantal commitment. Why don't we just say it's a commitment? Or why don't we just say it's a contract? That's exactly why we don't say it's a contract because it's the opposite of that. A contract says you do your part and I do my part, and we good. A contract says, if I pay this much, I will get this in return. And sometimes we even go into our marriages thinking it's a contract. If you do these jobs, and I do these jobs, then we'll be okay. But that's why God says, no, this is not a contract. This is a covenant. And a covenant says that even if you fall short, I'm still going to show up. A covenant says, even if I can't hold my end of the bargain, I'm still going to love and adore you. This is why Jesus makes a covenant with himself in the Old Testament as regards to our salvation. Because we can't keep our promise. But Jesus can. He makes a covenant with his people through his shed blood. So when we think about church membership, it is a covenant commitment. It is saying even if y'all don't do what y'all are supposed to do, I'm still going to do what I'm supposed to do. Even if I, I may not feel love, I'm still going to give love. I, I'm not going to walk in here all irritated because ain't nobody called me all week. I'm going to make phone calls to those that I don't see. Where you fall short, I'm willing to pick up the slack 
Because if we are working hand in hand and together, then when, like the text says, when one member suffers, we all suffer. But when one member rejoices, we all rejoice. So a covenant commitment says that I, I will intentionally lock arms with those who are part of this local body. I am committed to them. But not only is there a covenant, covenantal commitment, there's mutual submission. Mutual submission. That we, we see that in Ephesians 5 and 21 where we are submitting to one another. But this is the understanding that I have some authority over your life and you have some authority over my life. I don't get to do whatever I want, when I want, and how I want. And you don't get to do that either. We, we, are, we are submitting to one another. There, there is this indi indication of obedience when you join the local church. You are saying, I am willing to place myself under all y'all's authority in order that I will become a better Christian. Not just because I like authority, but because Jesus has said that in order for me to really grow, I need to be amongst the community of people. So this mutual submission is, is really saying, it's not I will submit to you, it's I will submit to Jesus. A life of submission begins with the front door of the church. So theoretically and practically, Christians don't join a church, they submit to a church. That means that when I become a member of the local church, I am saying, I, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to listen. I can't do all the talking. I can't always have it my way. If we, if we can't submit to the local church, how could we ever really submit to Jesus? See, because I can, in theory, say I submit to Jesus, but I have to practically submit when I'm around y'all. I have to actually walk out my submission in the body of Christ. That's why we're submitting to Jesus. But secondly, there's mutual support. In Galatians 6, 1, it talks about rescuing the one who, who has fallen into, into sin and bearing one another's burdens. Church membership is the intent to serve one another. Within the body, there's there's always needs. There's always something that can be done. There's that material support. Sometimes folks need help on some bills, and, and they, need, they need some gas in their car. And, and we need to be the ones to help, because if the body can't help, who else can we expect to help? There's material support. There's physical support. But then ultimately, there's spiritual support within the body of Christ. So when you join the local church, you're saying, I will support others. I ain't just worried about myself. But then thirdly, there's mutual sacrifice. There's a pursuit of selflessness. In a group this large, there's going to be a lot of times where you want what you want. And this other person is going to want what they want. But mutual sacrifice says, okay, I know what I want, but what does Jesus want from us? 
and we set aside and we die to the flesh each and every day, each and every Sunday we come in here, we should be dying to ourselves a little bit more that Jesus may be exalted and that he would get what he desires. There has to be sacrifice. So, so there's this pursuit of selflessness. So when I join a church, I'm saying I will sacrifice myself for the greater good because it's not all about me. Love and understand that church membership is more than just church attendance. Church membership is about life together. Turn with me to Acts, the second chapter, please. Acts, the second chapter, we see this, this picture of life together. Acts, the second chapter, beginning with the 42nd verse. It's from texts like this that we understand becoming a Christian is not just a private affair. It's not just your business. Acts, the second chapter, beginning with verse 42, and the word of God reads, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. They were, they were submitting themselves to the teaching of God's word. They were fellowshipping with one another. They were going over each one another's house. They were eating with one another. Praying with one another. Verse 43, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were what? Together and had all things in common. There's that mutual support. Verse 42 is that mutual submission. And they were, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And in this, in this demonstration, this picture, we see church membership at work. The body coming together, taking care of their mutual needs, submitting to one another. So what I want to do is to give us a, a visual illustration of what I'm, what I'm talking about. As I was going through my studies, I found this, this, this very helpful membership triangle. So, so we have this triangle that are missing some pieces. At the top, it's supposed to say pastor or elders. Down here in the right, it's the congregation. Here to my right, your left, that's you. That's you. So what happens is this picture of this unity, this mutual responsiveness, it takes place within church membership. So within church membership, the pastors, they are the ones who give oversight to the congregation. So we have texts like Acts 20 and 28. That says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So the, the pastors are giving oversight. Is there any way we can zoom out on that? 
The pastors are giving oversight to individuals. They're caring for people, making sure that they're doing what they need to do. But then also, as the pastors give oversight to you, they are shepherding and teaching the entire church. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verses 11 through 12, and it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. Pastors are to teach that the body may grow. But then not only are pastors responsible, the congregation is responsible. There we go. So a congregation affirms the pastors by, by selecting 1 Timothy 3 men to lead this church, to preach the word of God, those who are suitable and fit. They are to support the church. We, we see this laid out in 1 Peter, the fifth chapter. As Peter is speaking to the, the shepherds, he says this in 1 Peter, the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 5. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. So there's a responsibility of pastors. You don't just do this because you think you have to. But willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering those over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So pastors have to submit to the congregation. But then also the congregation is accountable and loving and encouraging to, to you. Now, what role do you play? The Bible says for you to be obedient to your pastors. Hebrews, the 13th chapter. We don't like that word obedience. I knew it was going to be a quiet sermon. I already prepared myself for that. Hebrews, the 13th chapter, verse 7. It says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to, spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And then verse 17, he goes on to say, obey your leaders and submit to them. Why? For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. There's no advantage of you being difficult to, to your pastors. So there's this obedience and submission to your pastors, but yet you have a responsibility to the congregation. One of accountability, love, and encouragement. And we see this in Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Go with me to Hebrews, the 10th chapter. We're going to quickly look at, uh, starting with verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near 
with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. See, church, church attendance was an issue back then. But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we see we, we are to show up, to be a part of one another's lives. See, but the accountability part, check this out in verse 26. Because this is a whole argument of why we should encourage and lift one another up. Because, verse 26, for if we go on sinning deliberately, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much more punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God? And has profaned, profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified. And how I has outraged the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is fearful, a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. This, this mutual accountability and love and encouragement, what he is saying is, if we aren't around one another, we will easily fall into sin. We have no one to account for our salvation, and we just kind of begin to do life however we want to. We are accountable for one another. Church membership is both objective in the sense that there are some genuine responsibilities that we see in scripture. But then church membership is also subjective in how it's played out in the local church. And really, that's, that's the rub for us. We don't like how church membership is played out in a local church. But God gives grace. And, and, and where there are faithful people trying to be obedient to the word of God, though there may be bumps and issues uh, at times, they will glorify Christ in what, how they decide church membership looks. So historically speaking, there was a time where church membership was very close right after baptism. So when we look at Acts 2, they, they were baptized and then they became part of the church. It was really close. But then as the first century goes on, there became this uh, a time when a person was converted and then a time of testing and, and studying and fasting and prayer before a person was baptized and welcomed to the congregation. And, and, and so at some points, it was up to like three years between a person saying they have trust in Christ to actually becoming a member. But then we see a, 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 a switch in history where there was infant baptism. And then once infants became baptized, there, there became this notion that they were automatically a part of the church because they were baptized as an infant. And then you move a little bit forward alongside of infant baptism. Now you have 
all citizens in a particular nation are automatically Christian, so they are baptized. They become part of the church. So membership becomes geographical. So that, that's a historical perspective, and we see, we see the resemblance of that even in our own lives. There's, there's a point in our life where we, we, we can believe that church membership is just a rite of passage, that, this, that our family been going here for years, you part of our family, you need to become a member too. It's just something that we do. But, but the, the text of Scripture is saying membership are for those who love Jesus today. Those who have been regenerated. So here at Forest Baptist Church, we, when a person says they want to become a member, we, this is why we do interviews, right? So as we talk to the person, we begin to discern in order to affirm whether they know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And we find out what they believe about Jesus. Have they repented and turned from their sin? And, and then once that takes place, if that person is new to the faith, then they will be baptized as we are affirming and you are affirming their external profession. But if that person is is already a believer coming from somewhere else. We just kind of talk about their baptism and whether or not they were actually saved when they were baptized, whether they were actually a follower of Jesus Christ. So we're looking to find out whether a person needs to be baptized or not. But then that person is welcomed into the body and they begin to take membership classes. And then upon their graduation, they are free to participate in all kinds of activities here at Forest. That's how we do right now. So even, but even as I'm going through this study, I'm seeing various aspects where we can even improve. Church membership is not a rite of passage. So I've said all that to say. I have a few statements. Because of what we see in Scripture, membership is necessary for biblical discipleship. Church membership is necessary for biblical discipleship because what we see all throughout Scripture is that as we are making disciples, we are marking disciples, and then we begin to mature disciples. So as a person joins the body of Christ, they get connected with other individuals, more mature, less mature, and that we, are, we begin to work together towards the common goal, the common goal of our spiritual growth. You cannot, yeah, you cannot faithfully grow as a Christian unless you are a member of a local church. You can do a lot of stuff on your own, but that affirmation and that assurance, that comes from other people. That comes from the body of Christ. That comes from people you see each and every week. That comes from the people that you are doing community with. You can't be a long ranger Christian and expect to grow in your faith. There is that affirmation that is needed. But then secondly, membership is necessary for biblical discipline. In 1 Corinthians 5, it talks about Paul is writing to the church. This, this, this guy in the church was just off the hook. He was having sexual relationships with his father's wife. And Paul is like, he, he ain't a believer acting like that. Put him out. If you don't have church membership, where are you putting them out from? 
How do we say that a person is living according to godliness if, if, if there's nothing to hold them to? We do a disservice to people if we don't confront them while they're in their sin. At best, if we don't confront sin, at best, someone is a weak and, 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 and ignorant Christian, at best. But if we don't confront at worst, they, they aren't saved and they're going to hell and we're just watching them go to hell. Church membership is necessary for discipline. But then also, this is the one that we really have to dig into. Church membership requires your presence. Church membership requires your presence. How can we be discipled when we don't show up? In attendance, there are certain expectations that, that as I show up, our relationships will grow. I'm a, I, I will grow as a Christian, and I will know that I am a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. But if I don't show up, I am, I am demonstrating that I may not know Jesus as Savior. See, watch this. Turn with me to 1 John, the second chapter. 1 John, the second chapter, verse 19, the Apostle John says this. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. What is the Apostle the, the Apostle John is talking about the, the perseverance of the saints. And one way to understand and recognize that someone is a follower of Jesus Christ is if they show up week after week after week after week. That's why he says they left from us because they weren't a part of us. Beloved, as gracious as I can, some of our family, friends, and loved ones who don't go here no more, they may not know Jesus. Now, we can't say as a church that they're going to hell because they don't come, but I can't say they are going to heaven. They don't come. So, so who is John talking about? They, they left from us. This is the us. They left from us because they were not of us. If a person just stops going to church, that may be an indication that they don't love Jesus. That's hard. That's hard. This goes against once a church member, always a church member. That is not biblical. And beloved, I, as much grace as I can, your family, friends, and loved ones, if they have stopped coming to church, they are not a member of Forest Baptist Church. Because a member is connected. Remember, you don't, you, you don't just sign a card and say, I'm connected. You, you show up. You give of your life, and we give it to your life. This is why there's, there's always a difference between how many people we got on roll and how many people show up on Sunday morning. You know, we, we have like around 275 people on our roll. Look around. By God's grace, we, we average like 180, sometimes 190. 
It's not everybody on our roll. Are they members? <sighs> I, I couldn't say. Equivocally. Those are, those are things we need to, to deal with. And we will deal with as a church. Lastly, membership in auxiliaries, parachurch organizations, and etc. are not the same as church membership. I, I, I can do all kind of good works for the Boys and Girls Club. I can do all kind of things. I'm part of Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I can do all kind of good things for Fellowship of Christian Athletes, but Fellowship of Christian Athletes is not my church. Y'all are my church. See, I, 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 I can just show up. I can, I can kind of pop in when I want to. If I got time to do a Bible study, I go do a Bible study. If I don't got time, I, I don't go. But, but I can't say that about the body because you are a priority. See, church membership says that we are a priority to you. We don't get your leftover time. We get some of your best time. That means you, there's going to be some nights where you got to go to bed early because you got to get up for Sunday school. There's some vacations you might have to change around because you want to be with the body of Christ. There's some sports that your children just won't be able to participate in because it goes on during church worship. Mutual sacrifice. Is it really church membership if everybody else around you sacrificing but you ain't sacrificing nothing? I shouldn't even be talking to y'all. I'm talking to that seat that's next to you that's empty. Beloved, I can, I can say with, with confidence, based upon the studies, based upon what the Lord has done in my heart, I can say that every Christian should be a member of a local church. It ain't got to be forced. But don't waste your time. If you're not going to join for us, don't just keep showing up, showing up, showing up. Because you, you're missing out. Find the church that's right for you then. But every Christian should be a member of the local church. I can't overemphasize that, the importance of that. I close with a question. So are you connected to the body of Christ? Are you connected to the local church and more than sometime attendance and more than just affirmation that your family go there but are you a member of the church but beloved that's just the first question the real question is are you a member of the body of Christ because you could be a member of the local church and not be a member of the body of Christ has there been a time in your life where you have understood your need for salvation? Where your sin has become a, sten a, a stench to your own nostrils and you agree with God about how you feel about sin and you have repented and you have turned towards, turned from yourself and turned towards Jesus Christ by faith? Have you become a part of the body of Christ? This is the warning. See, we, we try to avoid this here. Someone being a member of the church but not a member of the body of Christ. That's, that's again, the purpose of interviews. So don't be going, well, they want to interview me. That's a waste of my time. What they need to know about me. We need to know you say that you love Jesus. 
But in order to be a part of the body of Christ, you have to understand that there needs to be real repentance from sin. That you have really fallen short of God's standard for your life. That, that you really understand that sin separates you from a holy and righteous God. And that sinners will be forever punished by God. In order for you to be, in order for you to be a member of the body of Christ, you have to understand that you have to have real faith in Jesus. Faith, faith in Jesus means that you are trusting in his presence, that Jesus actually came. And he actually lived a life that you could not live and I could not live. And he, and he, he bore on him the wrath of, of God that, which we deserve. Faith in Jesus means that you are trusting in his words today. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes from the Father but by me. Trusting in Christ means that I trust in his sacrifice, that his death, burial, and resurrection was enough. But then, that faith in Jesus, I'm trusting his return too. I know my Savior is coming back to rule and to reign. And I live presently with that future hope. And I do it in, amongst the brothers and sisters in Christ that God has gave me to do life with. So I just want to challenge you today. If you're not a member of Forest Baptist Church, consider what God wants to do with you. Are you really growing in holiness? Is there anyone holding you accountable? How can you really know that your faith is real if, if no one can ever test it? I want to I, I challenge you in the conversations that you have with people that are, that, that are just in the world who say things like, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. No, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You just can't be a faithful Christian. And in the case that you don't want to go to church, Jesus, uh, and the Apostle John says that if, how can we say we love God and not love our brothers? If you don't love church folks, then how can you genuinely say you love Jesus? Beloved, Pursue Jesus above all, that we may be part of the body of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and for what you have taught us today. Father, I ask that you would take my foolishness, and that you would use it for your glory, and that someone would take one step toward you today. Father, I pray that one stone, one brick that is hindering someone from seeing Jesus is removed, and that you will glorify yourself. Father, I pray that, uh, and I pray and believe when your word claims that and declares that your word will not go out in vain, but it will accomplish much. Lord, I pray that you will accomplish much in our lives today, that we would love you and we would love your church and we would submit ourselves to your church, that we would see church membership as you see church membership, as mutual submission, mutual support, and mutual sacrifice to the glory of Christ. These things we ask in your most precious and holy name. Amen.